Stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, here's Dr. G. Hi, this is Jenny Foreman. I'm hosting the show today. Um, I have a terrific treat for you on the show as a guest today is Derek Hurwich, who is the Senior Director of Marketing and Communications of Albert Jewish Family and Children's Service here in West Palm Beach. And I, too, bring you greetings from Albert Jewish Family and Children. I'm the COO here at West Palm Beach. And also with us for some part of the show today is Valerie Wright from Wright Unlimited. And um, welcome, both of you. Thank you, Jenny. Um, Jenny, always a pleasure to join you. Great, thank you. And Derek, I'm so thrilled that you're on this call with us today. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you, Jenny. Let me tell you a little bit about Derek. Derek comes with five years of operational and executive management experience, including two Fortune 100 companies. He worked as a strategic freelance marketing analyst with Disney Company and then also was a major account executive at Canon. Um, and right now he's been with us at Alfred Jewish Family and Children's Service. I'm going to say that a lot, with us, because I'm so proud that he's part of our team. Us at Alfred Jewish Family and Children's Service. Um, his experience has really proved beneficial in terms of our expansion and growth. We're a nonprofit. Um, as the director of senior of Mar- senior director of marketing and communications, he has a lot of experience, which he's agreed to share with you all about um, actually entering a workplace where intergenerational challenges um, are abiding and around, and also um, has done some presentations uh, both nationally and also in Canada about some of the cultural elements of a diverse intergenerational or generational cohorts. Um, I could go on and on um, just in terms of, of his role here and also his consulting role. He is um, and has, you know, really extensive experience from uh, brand dynamics to consumer adoption to web analytics. Um, Derek, I could really go on and on. And today's focus, and I really appreciate you being here and talking with us about intergenerational challenges in the workplace. So, without any further ado, I wonder if you, Derek, would share with us a little bit about your experience, your responsibilities, as it relates to your being here at Elpid Jewish Family and Children's Service, and the challenges of this experience. Sure, Jenny, and thank you for the introduction. 
Um, when I came to the agency in 2007, I initially started off as the marketing director, and it was a relatively new position at the agency, which was intriguing because the agency has been around for about 37 years now. Initially, I thought I would be kind of a salesperson with a hybrid role in terms of sales, in terms of graphic design, branding, and an overall portfolio. But it became a little bit of a challenge early on, and uh, the role sort of formed itself. It became um, upkeep of the website, creation of the website, being out in the field marketing and selling the agency's services to referral sources in the community, representing the agency to consumers, potential people who might take part in the agency's services and become clients, uh, all the way up to graphics design, basically getting the um, organization on the same plane in terms of communication and really working in terms of synergy to find a way for marketing to become everybody's job at the agency, just as, you know, we all wear different hats at the agency. Uh, marketing was one of those things where when we first came to the agency, I, a lot of, I heard a lot of people say things along the lines of, well, you're the marketer, I don't do marketing. And it was really interesting, but nonetheless, um, to streamline things, the role of marketing and being now being senior director of marketing at the agency was to bring a diverse workforce of about 200 all on the same page in terms of marketing and communications. Mm-hmm. And with that as a backdrop, um, before I ask Valerie if, if you want to do, chime in, um, this really is, in terms of today, you know, being 2012, probably from the 2008, 2009, it really is the first time that we actually have four generations in the workplace. Uh, we have the silent generation or the traditionalists. Those were born between 1925 and 1945. And then boomers. And I would like to say that I'm a lagging lagging boomer, not a leading boomer. We were born between 1946 and 1964. And then Gen X, Gen Xs were born between 1965 and 1980. And then there are the millennials, or also Gen Y, who were born after 1980. So given that as a backdrop, and given um, some of the characteristics that have been laid upon Yes, it's generalization, obviously. These different generations, um, for example, I'm just going to throw this out. Gen Xs and millennials, millennials consider boomers and traditionalists very rigid um, with the expectation that employees should have to pay their dues, like come up the ranks. And another example is that boomers and traditionalists consider Gen Xs and millennials to be self-centered, you know, it's all about me and having expectations based on a sense of entitlement. Those are the kinds of things that have been out there and been written about. Um, So before we turn it back to you, Derek, Valerie, any thoughts that you have? Um, What I would say as a qualifier is, while I have some understanding of uh, the generations in the workplace, I probably am not your key speaker here today. I can add to the conversation, but I'm very interested in hearing um, this conversation mm-hmm. because I'm interested in it, and I have seen um, what happens in the workplace when uh, multiple generations are working and 
their issues unaddressed and there's not a concerted effort to build that uh, bridges mm-hmm. and colla- create collaboration and understanding so that they work better together. So they're interested in the conversation and, and adding some of what I know mm-hmm. to the conversation. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. So, Derek, tell us what it's like and how would you describe yourself in terms of generational? Um, well, you know, being a millennial, um, I don't mind putting my age out there. I came to the agency at 23 years old and uh, I'm now 28. Um, I kind of feel like I'm a little bit of a hybrid. I bring a millennial's age combined with a little bit of an old soul. And I think that in the end, that was pivotal um, of me being able to make it into the agency. Um, you know, some people... It's one thing to just be a millennial entering the workforce. It's another thing to have the experience that I had coming to Jewish Family Service. Um, I I was just thinking of an analogy in my head, and it would be like moving an Eskimo to the Sahara Desert. It was my first opportunity to work in a social service agency. It was my first time working with clinical uh, backgrounded people. It was my first time working in a nonprofit. It was my first time working with a predominantly older workforce. It was my first time working with an agency that wasn't a Fortune 100. So being a millennial was just like a microcosm for all of the challenges that were in front of me coming to the agency. But I describe myself as somebody who, you know, does have a little bit of a sense of entitlement. You know, I have my college degrees. I have my experience, but coming to this agency showed me that experience was a very relevant term considering our senior management averages 20-plus years, Mm -hmm. not just in the industry, but at Jewish Family Service, something that was hard hard to digest and, in particular, interesting because people would look at me during the first couple weeks I was at the agency. You know, they would say, you know, in their heads I'd be wondering if, they were thinking it was, you know, bring your child to work day or, you know, them uh, hearing comments like, so when I started working here, you were 11 years old and things like that. So it was a very interesting process and totally a uh, culture shock and transformation for me in terms of coming to the agency. Mm. And the other thing about millenniums, which you touched on, um, is one of the challenges is kind of relationships and how different generations may view one another. And in the past, we're very fortunate that there's always been a lot of dialogue around diversity in the workplace and reaching common ground and understanding and reaching across and bridging. Um, And this conversation is relatively new in terms of us being in a Western civilization. Uh, The other thing that I just want to throw out there in terms of attitudes and perceptions and the potential clash for traditional kind of leadership and management in millennials are um, the thing that that really strikes me when I do reading is that what millennials millennials often witnessed was a period of time when their parents were really being um, uh, quote abused in the workplace. Mm-hmm. It was during a time when they loyalty wasn't really something that was well established in terms of what they observed because it was during a period of growing up when employees were, you know, dismissed and there was a lot of retrenchment and a lot of firings and a lot of rehirings. And um, so I sometimes wonder if you're surprised yourself, Derek, that you've been here for six years, going on seven years. You know, Jenny, it's interesting you say that. Um, 
you know, the years go by fast, but then when you look back and you look at it as a body of work, it does surprise me that I've been here so long. Um, you know, when I first, especially when you look at it in terms of, you know, the journey from where it began to where we are at right now and the different periods, um, you know, which you and I can discuss, obviously, and share with everybody, not all of them were perfect. It was definitely a... Uh, bumpy path at first, to say the least. But nonetheless, we smoothed things out. And I think that that speaks to, you know, cultural and uh, generational uh, adaptation. And I think that that's an interesting concept. And, you know, oftentimes millennials will think of boomers and older adults as being more rigid. But oftentimes you'll hear the inverse and we will be looked at, uh, we being millennials, as people who aren't flexible and can't adapt to a situation because we just want it to be the way we want it to be. And if it's not the way we want it to be, we can make it the way we want to be, which was my first experience at the agency. I thought I could shift culture, but um, definitely uh, that was definitely a learning curve for me. But you think there nonetheless, was some pushback? six years later. <laughs> you think there was some pushback? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I was, uh, you know, there was a period of time where I, you know, called my voicemail before I came into the office for the day just to make sure that I was still employed. You know, wanted to hear my own name on my own answering machine. There was a little bit of pushback. Mm-hmm. So what changed? What What do you think was a pivotal point? Or you well, met, you re- describe well, it as bumpy, but what changed? Where do you think that happened? Well, when I first came to the agency. It was a, there was a lot of talk, and in marketing and communications, you would think that talking was the vast majority of what I had to do. And I would go to you, Jenny, as my boss, who you've been my boss now for uh, five of the uh, five years that I've been here. And when we first met, I would say things to you like, you know, I'm out in the community, um, I'm bringing in referrals, my meetings are going very well, you know, everything seems to be going favorable, but my hardest sell is on the inside. And it was such an interesting concept to me because I could go out and sell other people on my agency, but I couldn't. I was having so much trouble selling my own agency on me. And when you're looking at social workers and clinical professionals who have such incredible tenure and so many accomplishments, there's definitely a time to prove yourself. And you can't shorten that curve. It takes hard work. It took a long time of meeting with people and communicating with people. And... I really had to stop trying to change the way people worked and thought and more adapt to the way that people are most comfortable. Right. Wow, we obviously have a lot more to discuss. We are at our first break. We're going to go to commercial break. And please stay tuned. You're listening to Leadership Matters, informing leaders and inspiring solutions. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email G at dr.g at innovisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. 
Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. Welcome back to Leadership Matters. This is Jenny Fulmer sending you greetings from West Palm Beach, Florida. Also on the show with us today is Derek Hurwich, who is the Senior Director of Marketing and Communications at Alpert Jewish Family and Children's Service. And also with us is Valerie Wright from Wright Unlimited. And we welcome you both back. And we're going to actually change up the show a little bit today. We're going to take... Uh, questions from callers and people who have emailed in now instead of the third segment. So, Valerie, thank you so much. As our co-producer, would you please give us the first question? Okay. I have a question, Jenny, from Scott in California. And Scott's question is, what are some of the issues that create tensions among these generations in the workplace, and how do you create a workplace that is truly intergenerational in its approach? Mm. Boy, if we could figure that out, we might be able to box it up <laughs> right. and sell it and send it out. Um, a long show. <laughs> really. Derek, any thoughts about that? Um. I think it, I, I can just throw one thing out there, and it's, um, you know, to create a cohesive group of different generations, I think the most important thing is, you know, going back to the fact is that we're all different people working in an agency, and we all bring different things to the table. But what is common is an agency's mission or a business's goals or a NGO's objectives. And I think that despite the differences that people have, despite the things that make people, um, you know, tend to disagree with each other. I think if you try to come together and understand things in terms of process and understand things in terms of your mission and your core values, you know, those are the things that are embedded much deeper than individuals within an organization. And if you almost ignore the other people and focus on the mission of the agency, the core objectives of a company, by doing that, then you're able to really kind of grab everything by the roots instead mm-hmm. of maybe having topical yeah. issues with personality. Right. right. And, Scott, this is a great question, and we really appreciate you, um, you know, 
really challenging on this because I think some of the tensions are about people's experience. And I agree with Derek about how if you can engage people so that they really understand why we're doing things, how we're doing things, and uh, find a common place around values. But think about it. For example, the way I often you know, intellectualize it, I should say, is that each generation has a different historical lens. So what is known as the silent generation or the tradition generation, they, what were they influenced by? The, it was the Eisenhower years, the Korean War. Um, boomers were influenced by civil rights and the civil rights movement, the Vietnam War, the sexual re- revolution. Gen Xers, um, you know, if you ask them historically what really happened during their informative years, they recall the Challenger explosion, the fall of the Berlin Wall, Desert Storm. And then if you talk with millennials, they'll tell you that they were shaped by Oklahoma City bombing, Columbine school shootings, and 911, uh, 9-11. And so... I think you really do have the diversity of people with different experience. And so one way, as Derek is suggesting, to bring people together around a cohesive or common goal is to really focus on the agency values, the mission, um, why we exist type of thing. Any thoughts about that, Derek or Valerie? I think there's... um the other one of the things um, that create tension, also Jenny, in addition to their life experiences, is their needs based on those experiences. Mm-hmm. Can you so, tell us more about that? So yes, you have traditionalists who whose um, needs are more centered around safety and physiological needs. You have baby boomers whose whose perspective is around safety and social needs. Um, you know, that whole generation was focused on on bettering society and that whole piece. So that their their focus around needs were on that. For Generation X, because of the things they experienced, it's again around safety um, in society, safety for themselves, their family. And then you have millennials or Generation Y who are now more focused around esteem, self-esteem, esteem for themselves, and then self-actualization. When you look at the hierarchy of needs, they are more self-actualizationists. So that's one way um, that their uh, uh, issues get created. When you have people vying for different needs, the workplace has to respond to those needs in a way uh, that engages them as a team as opposed to create division around that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other is around communication styles. And and I think everybody understands this when you say that millennials are more focused on communicating through technology. So you have MySpace, um, uh, what are the other, Facebook, Twitter. So they're instant, quick feedback, input as opposed to, um, say, traditionalists who are more um, face-to-face, who are used to formal language, not the language of Twitter or texting where you cut mm-hmm. off words and you is you. And um, so you get communication is always 
an issue when you deal you're dealing with relationships. Um, Dr. G say communication is to relationship what air is to life, <laughs> and mm-hmm. so if that communication is not um, it's not good communication, then you have issues. So an organization that's trying to become intergenerational has to look at communication styles and how to mm-hmm. make sure people are getting their needs met uh, so that you begin to build bridges across those differences. Right. That's so much food for thought. It, it really is. Scott, we really thank you for that question from California. Um, any other questions that you have? Yes, I do. I have um, a question from Clarence in Florida. Clarence says, I have heard the term multigenerational, and I've also heard the term intergenerational. Please discuss the difference, if there is one, and how they play out in the workplace. Hmm. I'll take a shot at this initially. Um was that Clarence or Clarine? Clarence. Clarence. Clarence in Florida, thank you for your question. Um, I think I would say intergenerational if you have more than one generation, and I would say multigenerational if you're talking about, um, you know, across the board. I think that we interchange, use these interchangeably, but I really think that multigeneration is... Um, a uh, a group which we are multi-generational. We're more than intergenerational because we have four generations working in, in business today and in organizations. Derek, what do you think? I actually uh, couldn't agree more, Jenny. It sounds, uh, I would use them interchangeably, but I think multi speaks to the fact that it's more difference across the lifespan and inter might mm-hmm. just be one or two groups. Yeah. So multigenerational is recognizing diversity in the workplace and engendering respect for those differences. And I think intergenerational is more inclusionary, how you create a stronger, more cohesive environment through those, some of those shared values and understanding amongst the generations. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to, as organizations, I think we need to learn better intergenerational practices. Mm-hmm. because it's those practices that lead to more optimum performances. If we really understand the diversity, the multi-generational diversity, then we can be a better intergenerational organization. Mm-hmm. Great question. Gives us, again, just pause for thought. Okay. Thank you so much, Clarence. Okay. Go ahead. Do okay. you have any other questions? I do. I have a question from Marilyn in California. And Marilyn's question states, how do you leverage employee engagement to build bridges across generations if there's such draw, uh, strongly drawn line between the generations? Derek, I think you have experienced this. Thanks, Jenny. So I think you can respond to Marilyn's question probably more efficiently and effectively than any of us. Sure. Um, You know, to start, I think that the lines may be strong from a personal standpoint, but from an organizational standpoint, the mindset of the uh, generational lines being strong and firm just have to kind of slowly go by the wayside. 
Um, the thing that I realized when I came to the agency is that everybody had been here for a while, and by a while I mean quite a while, and that the agency was functioning very well. And it took me a while to learn the communication style and learn the process of the agency. But what I realized is that everybody who's been here and who's become a part of the management team and the executive management team, you know, the reason they've been here for 20 years isn't because, you know, the agency forgot to get rid of them when they were not performing well. Everybody was successful. Everybody brought something to the table. And I think from a multi-generational standpoint, I think that's the thing that you really have to look at and how you kind of blur those lines and make everybody come together is realizing that every single person at the table has something to bring together. And what we did particularly at the agency is we started marketing and communications meetings that brought those diverse personnel to the same table under common objectives. We were very clear and methodical in the way we define those objectives, but nonetheless, you realize that despite the generation present at the table or the number of generations present at the table, each person, each generation, each division within the agency had something to bring to the table and a piece to bring to the puzzle. And nonetheless, we were able to work together as a team under the uh, impetus of this is the objective. What can you offer? What can you offer? And what can you offer? And even though there might be things that reflect a particular generation in the process or the way something's presented or the desire to do something a certain way, the outcome is what's more important. And by organizing it around a common goal or outcome, you have the different generations working together, but nonetheless, they're all bringing something different to the table, all focused on the objective. So it sounds like what you're saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, that once again, it was embracing what everyone's talent was, bringing to the table, um, and that was something that that was initially a challenge. I think for us boomers, um, the average age, I think listeners have heard me say this before, the average age is 62 at the organization, um, so clearly this was different to have someone who had a big responsibility, who was part of the team. And uh, part of the challenge was really being able to address that we all have different talents and experience and how to bring that together for that common mission, that common goal. We've managed to make it through another segment. I hear the music in the background. Um, Valerie, thank you for those questions, and I really want to um, thank Marilyn and Clarence and um, Scott for their questions. We always appreciate it when listeners call in or email. Uh, Valerie, thank you so much for facilitating that segment. And um, since I won't be talking with you and you're leaving us now, I wish you a happy holiday. Thank you. Same to you and to Derek. Have a happy holiday. Thank you. You as well. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. 
Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email drg at dr.g at innovisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. Hi, welcome back this afternoon. This is Jenny Fruma. I have as a guest on the show today, Derek Hurwich, who um, has experience coming from the corporate world and has been the Senior Director of Marketing and Communications here at Alpert Jewish Family and Children's Service. So Derek and I work together, and um, we have, I believe, brought the agency and continue to learn from one another and bring the agency um, along a journey of being a multi-generational organization, uh, trying to find our way through good practice and best practices of how to engage intergenerational, uh, multi-generational individuals. And we've been pretty much talking um, about some of the stereotypes, if you will, or some of the general comments that are made about each of the four generations. But... Derek and I have agreed to be really open about our experience working together, which I'm hoping will add some value to those of you who are listeners and really struggling with some of these issues. And um, one of the things that I really am comfortable talking about is how Derek initially, when you came to the organization, I think that uh, y- your expectations of us as an organization was that you were going to really, as you said earlier, change the culture and get all of us, you know, lined up. And um, you could probably, I would imagine, feel like you could have done that just by texting or emailing us. 
Yeah, that's how for sure. different was um, the real experience. You, you know, to start off, I really think that it was, you know, the experience is phenomenal going forward because I hope to never make the same mistake twice, and I always try to practice that. But when I came to the agency, I met the job description in terms of qualifications, but I couldn't have been farther off from the uh, intangible cultural part of a job description that's never actually mentioned. You know, just because someone's a good accountant, a good chef, a good lawyer, et cetera, et cetera, there's a part of the agency or an organization or a company that you never hear about, and that's the cultural part, because when you're interviewed, you might pick up a little bit on it, or when you apply for it, you might kind of get a feel of it by the website, but you really can't figure out the cultural t- the, car- the culture until you're on the inside, and uh, quite frankly, I missed. Um, when I first came to the agency, you know, I thought I could lead, and what I learned is that when people have been entrenched in a culture for so long, a successful culture nonetheless, and have done things, you know, outcome-based, evidence-based social work based. I mean, these are people who follow very systematic processes and you can't come in off the street as the new person, yet alone the young new person and just, you know, whip people into shape, um, so to speak. So it was definitely a challenge at first because people would say, you know, we know we can do it, but he's not listening to us or he's not paying attention to me. And that might come in the form of me sending an email from my phone during a meeting or me just trying to multitask or me designing a flyer or a website for somebody with the fact that I know what I want it to look like, but I'm not really hearing them. Like, I know what a good website looks like, but I don't incorporate, you know, the cultural portions of it or the ethical portions of it, or I'm not just, I'm just not getting into the core of what people's desires are at the agency. So I was following my own path even though it was, you know, partially right. Wouldn't this be true of any new person on the block? Wouldn't it be true of regardless of what, you know, generation they represent? Absolutely. Um, You know, the first thing I'll say is that, you know, anybody coming to the agency, whether you're 20 or 60, you know, if it's your first day on the job, the thing you want to do the most is prove yourself. How do I prove myself? How fast can I prove myself? How can I show the boss? How can I show the stockholders? How can I show you know, the supervisors that I'm the right man for the job, I'm the right person for the job, how can I prove it? What the hardest thing to do is, but it's so vital, is on your first couple days or your first couple weeks is to take the time to step back. You know, whether it's just looking in people's offices and seeing, you know, what they have in their offices or, you know, asking, getting to know people in whatever way you can get to know them beyond strictly a professional sense and learn what the culture is and learn how people do things. And what you'll find is that by taking that step back, you're doing something that's invaluable and that's you're starting to integrate yourself and assimilate with the culture of an organization. And that's something that I did not do and that's something irrespective of what generation you're from, I highly recommend is that opportunity to, in, you know, in the midst of really trying to prove yourself, don't figure out how to prove yourself, figure out what the organization's trying to do. And by figuring that out, that's how you can prove to the organization you're capable of doing it. Hmm. So how is it different being a millennial? Well, there's a few things. For starters, you know, it's interesting because in today's day and age, you have your Mark Zuckerbergs of the world and your younger tech billionaires. But for the most part, they're 
is a stigma associated with millennials that we know it all, um, we're lazy, we'll take shortcuts to achieve outcomes. And especially when you're looking at an agency where the average person has been at the agency for 15 plus years, everybody has postgraduate degrees, everyone actively has to pursue ongoing education to maintain their licensure. You know, as a millennial, you're just the person who's, you know, green, so to speak, to the workforce. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing to know what you're doing. It's another thing to be perceived as someone who hasn't been around long enough to know how to do it. And, you know, there's, all, there's debates between do you hire someone fresh out of college or do you prefer an MBA? And it goes down to the same thing. You know, some yeah. people have had experience doing things operationally, organizationally, and other people have only had the opportunity to read about it. Right. So it's very and, difficult to do it. Right. And we've had private conversations, obviously, um, within our workplace, but what are some of the things that we could have been more helpful? Uh, What are some of the things we could have done that could have, um, or we could have done differently to really embrace you as a newer generation? Sure. So obviously I can only answer this from our agency's standpoint and keep in mind that we are a social service agency. So for whoever's listening, please try to apply this to your company, organization, NGO, however you can. But for me, I think one of the biggest things is that when I first came to the agency in October, you know, Florida season, October, I came in right at the busiest time of the year. And I had a brief orientation. I learned about all the programs. I learned how to talk about all the programs. I learned how to communicate about all the programs. But what I didn't get to do is actually see how all the programs worked. And some people might be thinking, well, you know, but you're the marketer, you're the communications guy. If you can write and talk about it, then you essentially can do it. It's a little bit different. You know, quite frankly, we have case managers who go into people's homes and assist um, elderly Floridians with their independence in the homes. We have care managers who take care of Holocaust survivors. We have professional guardians who take care of such vulnerable people. And rather than just hearing about those things and seeing it on paper or seeing it um, on a website, if I could have had the opportunity to maybe go into those homes and see the clinical processes take place, rather than just see and hear, I could feel. And I think that that's one huge thing, is how can you make your employees' experience visceral? And I don't think it was a mistake. I just think it would have been a very big value added if we could just go from, if we could have gone back in time and rather than me learning to incorporate an element of being able to really truly feel and get the emotion and the vulnerability of our clients to make that experience visceral while keeping it a learning experience would have been really helpful. Hmm. That's really interesting because, again, since we're focusing on intergenerational kinds of issues or trying to develop intergenerational practice, um, that, in fact, may be something that is unique to millennials. Not that it doesn't matter to any of the other generational generations, but really being able to be behind a cause and to Ab- really no, understand. Absolutely. You know, we, we yeah, are go definitely. Ahead. Go ahead, Jenny. No, go ahead. Oh, we are definitely a generation where, you know, we want to be a part of something bigger. Um, you know, a, a lot of people looked at things like Obama's huge campaign and how many millennials he was able to engage and how many first-time voters there were and how big the millennial demographic was. Um, you see people volunteering for millennials in record numbers. The thing is that we, as millennials, do want to be a part of something greater. Um, it's interesting that in my 
non-professional life, I love being involved with causes and getting to experience them firsthand. But, you know, when you assign a title and an office and a desk and a paycheck to it, you know, you take yourself out of that element for a minute. And that's the mistake I made was that, you know, rather than getting involved emotionally and getting involved in making the experience visceral, I was just solely focused on the operational aspects of it. And that's where I kind of didn't align myself correctly with the agency's mission at first. Mm-hmm. Really interesting. Um, thank you for sharing that, Derek. It's you know, there's nothing quite so public as sharing it on on uh, Voice America, which is pretty much international, <laughs> about uh, personal experience in the workplace. And like you said earlier, not all of it was fun. So we really, I, I particularly really appreciate you sharing your thoughts about that, and want to thank you for that. Um, what are, what are your thoughts about transferring knowledge? We know that us boomers and our, pretty much our senior management are all boomers, some lagging and some leading. Um, and here you are, you know, being really groomed as, as a leader in our organization. Um, what are your thoughts about transferring knowledge and how do we go about really doing that as a, as a strategy? Well, it's definitely a difficult thing and I don't think Quite frankly, there is a panacea for it. But one of the things I always think about is, you know, the last years I had with my grandparents, and I'm not just saying that because we have an older workforce. Um, you know, I Thanks remember I remember sitting on my grandparents' laps mm-hmm. and asking them questions mm-hmm. and hearing them tell me stories. And, you know, they're not around anymore, but every bit I could soak up during those last years, I've retained. And now when I speak about my grandparents and I speak to you know, um, my younger nieces and nephews and hopefully my children someday, I'll be able to transfer their life experiences, their knowledge, their background because of the stories that have meant the most to me. And, you know, working with you, Jenny, it's been particularly helpful because, you know, I sit with you on a weekly basis and I hear the way you work and I hear the way you speak and I try to absorb as much of that as possible. Um, The most important thing is just to make sure you look at progress and track things over time. I mean, the agency's been around 37 years. I can only speak to the last six, but you have to look at the people. You have to look at the the things that have taken place locally, environmentally, globally, and see how things have changed. And by learning and tracking and monitoring all that, you can kind of get a feel for, you know, what was necessary to facilitate change Mm -hmm. and what those catalysts were. And the more and more you can do that, the more and more time you can spend seeing and observing the practices, the more likely you are in certain certain circumstances in the future Mm -hmm. to be able to, you know, transfer that knowledge to the next appropriate application. Well, thank you for those thoughts, Derek. We're at another break, the last break of this um, episode, and you're listening to Leadership Matters, informing leaders and inspiring solutions, and we're going to be right back. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. 
Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email G at dr.g at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Are you an entrepreneur that wants to achieve more, not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways? Listen for Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind. With host Chris Cooper, you'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. These people are making a difference and will help give you the motivation and insight to achieve more. Be More, Achieve More can be heard live Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. Hi, this is Jenny Frommer, and I'm hosting the show today with my guest, Derek Hurwich, who is the Senior Director of Marketing and Communications. We've been talking about multi-generational issues and specifically how you develop an intergenerational practice within the workplace um, Derek, again, thank you so much for being so open about your experience uh, being a millennial here working with us at Jewish Family and Children's Service and I as a um, lagging, I always make, I want to make a really strong point that I'm a lagging boomer, not a leading boomer. <laughs> um, thinking of yourself and your experience here but also looking to your peers, uh, what are the things, if you could warn uh, Gen wise about kind of being in the you know in the workforce and this is really the first time we have four generations in the workforce what are the kinds of things you would warn them about and maybe warns too much of a stronger word but what are the things lessons learned that you would share with them well and talk to a couple of minutes about that five years later i'm still telling myself the same things first and foremost slow down you know, we're in such a hurry to do things and prove things. Slow down, listen, look at your environment. You know, we are all, you know, you've gotten the job because you're qualified. You've been hired because they believe you're up for the challenge ahead. But you're not necessarily up to prove that you can accomplish that challenge in the first day or the first week, sometimes even the first year. So you're not going to become CEO the first year? I was hoping for it at first, but I, I guess I never made it, so I'm still pretty happy. But, you know, I, I, I literally remember, Jenny, and we've been candid this whole conversation, I literally remember you having to, you know, step on my toe under the table sometimes to silence me because I would not stop talking or I would 
close beyond the cell, as our CEO Neil would say. So everybody just needs to what, and this this is particularly true for millennials, but it can apply to almost anybody. But for millennials, I would just warn you that you've already gotten the job. So somebody at that organization, whether it's your boss or your boss's boss, believes you're the right candidate because in today's economy, there's no shortage of people applying. So you're there for a reason. Slow down, take it all in, and think before you speak, and then act appropriately. Hmm. I recall some of the times that we would have conversations and my having to kind of nudge you under the table. Um, I think that you were very enthusiastic and really had a lot to share and certainly up and um, we mean this affectionately much more geeky than the rest of us, um, really understanding you know, all the analytics and things that we need to be better as an organization. And this may not be so true of public organizations, but certainly those of us that are faith-based or nonprofit really trying to understand how to reach targeted markets more and how to increase our revenues. Um, and we'd talk a language that, you know, we would all look at one another and go, what planet is Derek from? Um, so from... From that perspective, that was really a challenge, I think, for some of us. Um, and I would remember saying to you, you know, hear the language, really listen to yourself, because it is such a different language. And I think that's how you were able to successfully really bridge some of that intergenerational gap. Yeah, it's, when you're you started, 100% right. Mm-hmm, when you started changing your language, people were able to hear you. Exactly. No, exactly. It was uh, it was definitely following and being part of a team before the individual components of leadership could even begin to take shape. Mm -hmm. And I also think my experience with millennials is um, the use of metaphors. And you actually started out the show. Yeah, I can I can recall that. (laughs) You know, taking Eskimos to the Sahara, and that's how different things were. Um, and your experience, that the use of metaphors, I think, is something that I've noticed millennials use a lot, and I think it's their way of trying to make sense of a world the same way if you were to talk to about boomers and they experienced um, what they experienced, the, the upheaval during the world, global kind of issues at that time and everything that impacted America. Uh, there was a different language that we all use, even though I wasn't in America at that time. Absolutely. And it was hard to understand at first, and your desire to want to change things needs to be in line with what the organization's desires are. If they're not aligned, then you have to rethink your strategy. Mm-hmm. So what have you heard from your peers about the kinds of problems they have in the workplace? Who are you know, millennium? In different sectors, there's certainly, you know, stigmas associated with millennials. I mean, and I have peers um, that are everywhere from Google to the military, which couldn't be more polar opposites. Um, But it's all about, you know, people trying to adapt, people saying, you know, someone just doesn't understand me, and we're just not on the same page. And I think as millennials, you know, we understand this because even though we have 
difficulties with it, we understand that there's going to be some resistance because when we grew up, our parents didn't understand us. And I think anyone can relate to that. And that was always a challenge. You know, people aren't going to understand you or they're not going to believe that you're capable of it because, you know, it's like, well, my boss is from, uh, you know, from this company and he's been here 30 years. It's like, you know, why is he going to believe that I can do something? I've been here three days. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of the desire to prove yourself without necessarily having the time to prove it. And people mm-hmm. feel like they're not given the chance to lead. And I certainly felt that initially myself. And I've heard it from so many of my colleagues who are my age. But, you know, it's not necessarily about leading. You know, every good leader at one point in time had to be a good listener. Mm-hmm. And so it really sounds like perceptions are what makes the workplace reality so challenging. Um, and I think this is true regardless of, of generations. You know, one person may employee may perceive themselves as really flexible with their schedule, and the other one may see that as being flaky. Um, someone thinks they really are healthy and direct, skeptic, and others see them as harsh and blunt as a critic. So the perceptions um, get further complicated based, I think, on the comparative standpoint because of where people are coming from in terms of their life experience. Exactly. Which can present some major conflict issues. And it has in the past. And the only way to kind of absolve that is to change perception and you can't do it by force because you're just going to enforce whatever there's whatever that perception is if you try to force it on somebody but it's really kind of putting your head down digging in deep and following the right you know path Mm -hmm. of the organization and the right direction of your leadership and Mm -hmm. that's the way that perception changes five years later i'm part of the team as opposed to being the outsider right and being able to have this candid conversation exactly yeah. So there was a report that was done, um, and I can certainly post the information. It was done uh, looking at 700 respondents, looking at their opinions regarding 22 commonly heard perceptions about Gen Y. And these are some of them. Gen Y wants instant gratification. So managers and employees often complain that Gen Y want that instant con- instant gratification. Um, and it seems like Gen Y itself recognizes this. 89% of Gen X and boomers agreed that they want instant gratification, and 73% agreed who were Gen Y is. So there isn't that much of a difference between perception of 89% and Gen Y is say, at 73% saying, yeah, we agree Correct. with that. Another one was casual and professional can coexist though almost three-quarters of all survey respondents agree that Gen Y dresses and behaves casually, the generations agree that professionalism may not necessarily be a casualty of casual, which I think is really interesting because those of you who would ever meet Derek, Derek's in a suit every day. (laughs) So any comments about that? Well, it, it helps, you know, Especially when you're in marketing, it helps to look the part. And, you know, different cultures have different outfits. I mean, my cousin's a, my cousin Jeremy's a CPA, and when he's doing a rural account, he's in jeans and a polo. And when he's doing a corporate account, he's in a suit and tie. But, you know, sometimes it doesn't hurt to reduce the stigma and reduce the perception just by doing something against the grain. I mean, putting a tie on. 
I think we all can do it. And maybe it's not you, and maybe that's where you want to put your foot down. But nonetheless, you know, people have had to overcome things for as long as there have been things to overcome. Yeah. So in my opinion, you know, I, I like to dress the way I like to dress, and luckily right. it works in terms of the organization. But there are things you can do to mm-hmm. make a little right. difference. We're out of time. It comes up so fast. Um, I really appreciated you being on the show with me today, Derek, and being so candid. Um, I want to thank our listeners and those of you who called in. Um, Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders and Inspiring Solutions. I wish everybody a healthy new year and happy holidays. And thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. G is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter.